Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Coronapod. In this show, we're going to bring you nature's take on the latest COVID-19 developments. And we'll be speaking to experts around the world about research during the pandemic. We're entering a new era now. We have new COVID strategies. There's some new unknowns, and we've got a vaccine. Hello, and welcome to Coronapod. I'm Noah Baker, and joining me this week is friend of the Nature Podcast, <laughs> Ailey Dolgan. Ailey, how are you? Good. Thanks uh, for calling me up, Noah. So we're going to talk about yet another vaccine trial this week that's just come out. It's from CureVac. But this one stands out because it has not delivered amazing results in the way that we've become a bit accustomed to. Ailey, can you tell me a little bit about what's recently come out from CureVac? Yeah, I think at this point, everyone just kind of waits on things to move through phase three and read out. And then you just anticipate that, oh, it's another massive success. We've been drunk on success at this point. So when the results came through on Wednesday evening, it turned out that uh, this vaccine was only 47% effective at preventing disease. I have to say, I remember months ago talking to one of our reporters, Heidi Ledford, when we got the very, very first vaccine trial results out and she was like, oh God, you know, I, I cannot believe it. I have to keep re-looking at these numbers because I didn't think we were going to get 70, 80%. I didn't think we were going to get 90%. She, I think at the time was expecting us to see results like this one here. And yet it still rocked people because we've got you know, used to having these amazing events. And we'll talk about the public health impacts of this. But I guess first, I'm interested in what the kind of scientific community, how they responded to seeing these relatively low efficacy rates come out from this trial. Well, what's interesting about this vaccine in particular is that it's an mRNA vaccine. So built around the same core technology as the first two wildly successful vaccines from Moderna, and one from Pfizer and BioNTech. Uh, If you'll recall last year, when they announced their phase three data, they had efficacy rates of 94, 95%. So this is 47%. And that's kind of a an apples for apples comparison on that number. They're not directly comparable because these trials were run at completely different times. And the variants are a massive reason why we're seeing that low efficacy. But even the real-world data that has come out on the other mRNA vaccines, not the CureVac ones, they still have maintained reasonably high efficacies, even in the face of these variants. And this one just 
did not get anywhere near the mark. So it's raised all these questions. Well, what is different about this mRNA vaccine as opposed to those other mRNA vaccines? And that's where the scientists have gotten really interested looking at some of the key differences that could explain the massive discrepancies in the efficacy results. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that we should go into a little bit. So just catch us up. An mRNA vaccine, how does it work? People have heard this a thousand times before, but it's useful to just have a recap before we go into the kind of details about how this one is different from the two that we've already seen from Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. Sure. So all three of these vaccines take the spike protein from the coronavirus and instead of delivering the protein itself, they encode it in RNA. And the idea being that if you deliver that RNA to your cells, the cells will produce the protein and train the immune system to recognize that protein as foreign and attack it. So they all encode that exact same spike protein sequence. They all use very similar little fat bubbles called lipid nanoparticles to deliver the sequence to your cells. But there are some key chemical differences between the CureVac one and the ones from Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna that many scientists are looking at to possibly explain the results. And one of those key differences is in one particular base of the mRNA. Again, this gets very detailed, but it is relatively simple to explain. Could you tell us what the difference is there? Yeah, it's just a really a small chemical tweak to one of the four bases. Normally, we talk about ACTG, but mRNA uses one different building block. We just call it U. And around 2005, some researchers at the University of Pennsylvania discovered that instead of using normal U, you use slightly modified U. It helps make the RNA look less virus-like, less foreign to the cell, and thus you're able to get more protein expression and then all the good things that you want from the vaccine. CureVac didn't use that particular modification. They found that they had some other ways that through slightly modifying the sequence, they could also try to tamp down that immune response. And so everyone was kind of waiting on this data just from a scientific perspective to see would this alternate strategy, the one that didn't use the modified chemistry, would it work? I think we should also say that when we talk about tamping down the immune response, we're not talking about the desired immune response. What we are talking about is they want to try to reduce the body's reaction to the mRNA itself to allow more of the protein that we want to be created. And then there can be an immune response against that, which is what gives the protection that we get from vaccines. Right. You want the RNA to be translated into protein. And if the body's immune reaction kind of sees that RNA as foreign and starts attacking it, then you don't get the protein expression, which then gets you the antibodies that you need for protection. And ultimately, all of this is about balancing these two key factors, which is getting the right immune response to get protection from the disease the target, COVID-19, without triggering too many alternate immune responses, which is what causes side effects, which is what people do not want in their vaccine. And that's everything from a headache through to more severe side effects. Yeah, that's right. And the thing with this strategy that CureVac was using that didn't use the modifications, they basically weren't able to dose it that high. And so if you go back and you look at their earlier phase one data, what you'll see is they dosed at a much lower level than what was seen with the other vaccines. And that low dose led to antibodies, but those antibody levels were much lower than what you saw with the other vaccines. The problem is they couldn't dose any higher than they did because when they did those higher doses, they started to see 
people suffering all sorts of problems, you know, the usual things that people have after getting a shot, chills, fatigue, muscle pain, things like that. And the inference on the part of many scientists is that they underdosed ultimately because they couldn't dose higher because they had unmodified chemistry. And we should say that there's a myriad of things that could change the efficacy of a vaccine. So it could also be something in the non-coding region that changes things. It could be some small difference in the lipid nanoparticle. But the most likely thing seems to be this dosing regimen associated with this different chemistry. And there is a scientist quoted in your story saying it really should have been a red flag that antibody levels weren't higher in previous stages of this study. Yeah, I mean... There's an element of hindsight to that, for sure. We didn't know back then that you needed such high antibody titers, and they were seeing equivalent to what people were getting from natural immunity. But yes, the fact that it was so much lower than what others had previously reported with the other mRNA vaccines was a major red flag. And this is a key point here, right? Because there's various different types of immune response. And the one that is particularly interesting in this case is the development of what's called neutralizing antibodies. So there was an antibody reaction with CureVac, but there wasn't as much of this neutralizing antibody. Yeah, if we look at some of the data that's come out from the earlier phase trials of these three different vaccines, and take this with the caveat that different platforms, different assays, different methods, you can't exactly directly compare. But when they looked at how many of these neutralizing antibodies, the antibodies that would actually block the virus from infecting your cell, looking at the CureVac data, they were getting levels about the same as what people who had natural infections had, which is protection. But when you look at the other two mRNA vaccines, they were seeing like 10 times that level. And and that huge amount of antibody uh, response is thought to correlate with protection generally, but especially in the face of these variants. Is this the end of CureVac? Why would anyone want to continue producing CureVac at, you know, scale when we've got two other mRNA vaccines, which are arguably far more effective, including against variants? I don't think we've seen the end of CureVac as a company We might have seen the end of this particular vaccine. Uh, The company has said that they're going to finish the trial because this was all based on an interim analysis of 134 cases in a massive 40,000-person trial. They're going to wait till they have 200 cases. They'll do the final analysis. In principle, the efficacy rate could rise. Uh, Who knows? I I doubt it's going to budge much. And given how effective these other vaccines are, kind of the benchmark has moved. You kind of want to see at least AstraZeneca level protection, 65% up. And it's hard to think that they're going to get there. But they're going to keep trying. So they have a a second generation version of this mRNA platform that doesn't use the modified chemistry, where they've done some tweaks to the non-coding regions of the mRNA sequence. And in rat and monkey studies, at least, it does look to be far better at eliciting antibodies. They're seeing about tenfold higher levels, which would get you on par with what the other mRNA vaccines are showing. So some people are not quite willing to yet give up on the CureVac unmodified strategy, but a lot of a lot of people are. <laughs> I think there's some people taking victory laps for modified RNA and that that strategy has ultimately prevailed. But time will tell. Okay, so we've been saying for months and months on Coronapod that although we've got really good vaccines that are working well, we always need more. It's a long road ahead of us. And so to an extent, 
this is a real blow to have, you know, a promising vaccine not work. What do you think the impacts of this could be on the pandemic going forward? Yeah, I talked to a vaccine supply expert on that point. And I was asking because in Europe, they had pre-ordered over 400 million doses of this thing, expecting it to work. And I thought, okay, wow, 400 million doses, not going to have that. What's going to be the impact? He said, probably not that much, because there's just so many other good vaccines to fill in the gap. He thought maybe it'll slow the European vaccine campaigns down by a few weeks. CureVac, I think, was really gunning for the developing world market to help bring mRNA vaccines more to those countries. But just a few days before the news broke that CureVac's vaccine kind of flunked, we heard about Novavax's vaccine, which proved to be super effective, over 90%. And that's another vaccine that offers many of the same selling points, like being stable for a long time in a refrigerator, which addresses some of the cold chain supply issues that have concerned people with the with some of the first mRNA vaccines. And so that vaccine can help go to those countries. And so in the long run, I don't think this is going to make much of a dent in terms of, of actually getting more vaccine into people's arms. It'll slow things down by a little bit, but it won't be a, a, a huge blow. I mean, that's a silver lining, certainly from the perspective of the pandemic. But a place where this result is likely to leave a dent, or at least likely to leave a lot of discussion, is in the future of mRNA vaccines. This is a company now that's taken a notably different approach to two very successful vaccines, and it's come up short. What's this going to mean for vaccine development going forward? Yeah, I mean, there were basically three big mRNA players before the pandemic, and CureVac was the original one. The company was formed over 20 years ago, and they had long been gunning for the clinic with this idea of their unmodified chemistry, and all their data suggested that you didn't need the modifications. There were ways around it, at least you know, for these kinds of vaccines, for infectious diseases, or, or for cancer as well, for that matter. And... Ultimately, we want to see more data. There are other companies also trying different unmodified chemistry strategies. But I think, you know, we know that the modifications work. Those other two vaccines are amazing. And so if you know that works and this one has problems, I think a lot of the field is just going to go with the modifications. Why mess with it? Why mess with it if it ain't broken? Okay, we've still got to watch for the second generation from CureVac. There are still other vaccines that are in development, and there's going to be more results coming from them. But in the meantime, thank you so much, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.